I'm a quarterback. I'm popular. Never last picked. Not a surf. Good band known for that one song. <laughs> kind of known well, for that one song. I bet it's like a faint memory in a lot of people's minds. Oh, yeah. Popular. I remember that. Kind of, I think. It's like spoken word. Oh, yeah. I don't remember any of the spoken word part. Well, they have better music. Yeah? What's another one? Other stuff. Figure it out on your own. Oh, fine. I don't talk about my musical tastes because I don't need other people's criticism. No. <laughs> We're not asking for criticism. I'm not. People, I'm not asking for it. People offer it up. Look, uh, <laughs> you like a not a surfer, you fucking idiot. No one's going to say that because we have geniuses that listen to us. Blizzard of 77. I love that song. I sing it all the time. I can't sign on to my account. What account? City. Are you trying to do banking at uh, 9 o'clock on a Saturday night? I mean, just looking. City. City bank. City. <laughs> I'm just sitting back watching you amuse yourself. <laughs> laughing at the way you pronounce. Like you're laughing at yourself. Siete. <laughs> hey, what are we doing? Tonight hey. on the show. I told you the topic. I know. I'm ready. I'm into it. Are you ready? Are you going, Am I ready? Are you going to I'm be... Honest. Yeah. Honest. I'm, only, I'm always honest. Honest. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be honest. Honest. I have a bank account with City Bank. City. I'm drinking one beer. I had one beer in the refrigerator. Okay. I, I saved it for this occasion. Uh, it's a Bell's. I thought about it. It's a Bell's Oberon, and there's stuff that floats in the bottom of it, and I think it's kind of gross, even though it's supposed to be there. What is that? I don't know. Dirt. Sediment. Uh, ooh, delicious dirt. Oberon. Isn't that a character's name from Game of Thrones? Oberon? I wouldn't know. I've seen two episodes. Which ones have you seen? The one the where... The first one? The one where the gold hand man gets his hand cut off before he has oh, the gold right. hand. One of I, maybe the last one before the last season. So how many seasons were there? Eight, five. How many nine. seasons? Nine. I don't know. When the ice army was coming, mm-hmm. is that what they were called? Sure. Come on, you watched it. What is that army called? It had a specific it's name. It's called the Army of the Dead, the Winter. Yeah. Walk Walkers stuff like that. So whatever episode was the last one before the last season, before the year and a half people had to wait for the last season. Yeah. That was the only other one I ever saw. Okay. Yeah. Meh. It's fine. I don't want to trash it, just like I was talking about uh, not wanting to bring up music because someone's got their opinion. I actually don't even have an opinion on Game of Thrones. I just wasn't pulled in. Doesn't mean that it was bad. Man, you're really concerned about other people's judgment. It's how I protect things that I care about deeply. Three. Maybe I'm having a sugar high because I just ate a handful of M&Ms. Maybe. Two. One. Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher. 
My name is Greg Russ. Autumn's on a sugar high, so she says, because she had a handful of M&Ms, which is the weakest sugar high ever. You can't handle your sugar. All right, it was two handfuls. I was planning on the one. Like, I'm a person who can control themselves. We'll just have this handful of M&Ms. And then I went back from where and ate them like a like a raccoon over the sink. <laughs> did you like dip it in the water since raccoons <laughs> like to dip their food in water? I did. It was beautiful. That's it was like dripping colors. I know I like to reference the raccoon dipping the cotton candy in water video because it makes love me laugh. It. That is your, you love that video. Yeah, because the raccoon has no clue. It's like, oh, I, what? The uh-huh. cotton candy disappears in the water, <laughs> disintegrates, and the raccoon loses its mind. It looks around, it's confused, it's questioning its whole being and existence in that very mm-hmm. moment because it can't comprehend with its little walnut brain that an item may. May dissolve in water. Yeah. Everything it's ever known. So apply that um, ability of concept, wait, of, of understanding concepts. Apply that to humans trying to understand infinity. Which you can't comprehend? Is, huh? Which you can't comprehend if Correct. infinity? That's why we can't understand our own brains. And that's why we can't understand the universe. Can't figure it out. Numbers. Can't know it. Numbers. They never The end. inside of a black hole. People who are experts at black holes still don't know what it is. Is it a physical object? Some people say no. Some people say yes. I say it's the extreme bending of space time. Well, yeah. That goes but also to, stuff that, is sucked into it, and then what? Yeah, I, I feel like it's finite, though. <laughs> <laughs> why, does, why does the pronunciation change? Yeah. Infinite. Finite. Infinite. <laughs> yeah, I just, <laughs> finite. I think it's finite. Infinitesimal point in anyway, space. Anyway, back to topics. Well, we should get to our real topic, but back to sugar. Uh, back to sugar. I have an orange soda. In the refrigerator, <gasps> that thing. Will... Oh my god! What is the brand? Sunkist, Fanta. Um, Sunkist. Look, I enjoy the Sunkist. I think there was only a Fanta. That was my choice. I know. I don't think the Sunkist orange is really findable. <laughs> I don't think you can find it right now. They're around. I've seen them, but just at the bodega near me, they had the the Fanta and. I don't know what the sugar content of that is. 80 grams in a 20-ounce bottle? Why'd you get it? Looks appetizing. Hmm. I'm saving it as a treat. I don't drink sodas that often. Yeah. Me neither. That's a real sugar blast. I avoid sodas for the most part. Remember when not drinking a soda seemed crazy? Oh, yeah. I feel like there was a time when it was like, every day, Dr. Pepper... You know, I'm in high school. Dr. Pepper, for some reason, like hit its peak for me in high school. I was like, what is this magical flavor? What is Dr. Pepper? It's just amazing. And then prunes just fell off. Raisins. That's not prunes. That's not real. Or something. Yeah. What is in it? Prunes, raisins, some kind of dried thing. Really? I don't. Some stone fruit. Yeah. There's a lot of different uh, flaves in the Dr. Pepper. But you missed yeah. my lead in. I said I avoid soda. And you just, oh, my bad. you just went right over it. I'm sorry, because I'm not a professional, and I'm not good at my job. Well, you were thinking about Dr. Pep. Yeah. And you really wanted to talk about... 
hey, I when I was a kid, I thought that soda was good for you because it didn't have fat. But to me, <laughs> the only yeah. thing that was bad for you was fat. So I look at that makes sense because of all that uh, the those chips that make your butt leak and the snack whale cookies yeah. that were such a deal. When fat was demonized, it was the sugar industry pushing that yeah. whole narrative. Is that true? Yeah, the sugar industry was really sinking money into that. It's like, yeah, fat, awful. Fat's bad. Yeah. Fat, no good. And now white sugar's the devil. Oh, sugar is really bad for you. Whatever. Especially, you're supposed to have at most 20, 25 grams a day, and then one bottle of Fanta Orange (laughs) triples that. Yeah, 90 grams. So anyway, this this week's uh, topic is avoidance, not the avoidance of unhealthy food items just avoidance in general avoidance in life what got me thinking about this was i took that covid19 antibody test and the doctor called me back with the results but i missed the phone call and i looked up the phone number and i saw it was the doctor's office and i refused to call back because i didn't want to get the results because in my mind i wanted to have the antibodies i wanted to test positive and i knew the chances of testing positive were lower than the chances of Testing negative, probably 75 to 80% chance I would test negative, even though I did test positive, but I didn't want it to ruin my day. So I avoided it. I refused to call back for quite a while to get those results. And uh, yeah, that got me thinking. That's something I do quite often. I Mm. will manipulate events in my life as best as I can. There are things that are out of my control and I will enact what little control I have, which is usually avoidance. It's like, I can't do anything about this. Those uh, results exist now, but I can just avoid them and keep myself from having my day ruined because it's a nice day. And if I find out I don't have antibodies, it'll disappoint me. And then that's going to have more of an effect than I would like for it to have. And the Mm -hmm. day will be down the drain. So I just won't call back. You also did an interesting thing surrounding the test which was before you got the test you're like i mean i probably have that i probably had it i probably had it because i live in new york i do this i do that i'm exposed blah, blah 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 and then all of a sudden you got your blood taken and then you're like i probably don't have it i mean look it's a this percentage blah 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 you really flipped the script and then when you did miss the call you were not you were like, that's all right. I, don't even, I probably don't even have it. So who cares? Well, because I was living in fantasy before. Everyone's had, got this. There's a weird fantasy going on that people are living in that I've already been exposed. And it wasn't bad for me. It offsets the fear of getting a bad infection and getting really sick. And that's how I felt. Because I got the test and I thought I probably have it. And I was negative for antibodies. And I think that's what a lot of people are buying into. It's like, oh, yeah, of course. I was like, this thing has been so widespread and so many people are asymptomatic. And I, I, I've I, already had it. I'm in the clear. Sure, they haven't proven yet that uh, antibodies gives you immunity, but that's going to come. And then when I actually took the test, the reality of the situation sets in. You're like, yeah, chances are I, I'm, I haven't been exposed. Yeah, I guess. So that's why I did the the flipping of the script. I was... Living in a dream, which just so happened to come true. What a fucked up world where you're happy that you have antibodies for. Well, you're happy you have antibodies and didn't suffer through the virus. I mean, if the if the test is accurate, then you are grateful that you got 
the disease or the virus or whatever, and that you were able to be asymptomatic. And so it was no skin off your back. And now you got the antibodies. Yeah. And we could get into the tests and how accurate they are and stuff. That's a different show. This is about yeah. avoidance. Uh, something else. Yeah. I pulled this out of the archives. I had to log into my Hotmail account, which doesn't really even exist anymore. They merged Hotmail with Outlook. So you go to Hotmail and it just redirects you to Outlook. But all my old emails are here. And uh, when I first moved to New York, I was looking for work and I got a, a, you know, a shift at Sirius for Maxim Radio. Remember Maxim the magazine, that cool magazine yes. with boobs and gadgets? <laughs> yeah. This is what men like, booze. These are the things that men want. Um, they were looking for a producer, and I applied for a job, and then the program director wrote me back. And this happened on Wednesday, February 13th, 2008. Hey, Greg, can you do a couple hours? Okay, let me set this up. There was a uh, discussion before this. I sent an air check over, and I was applying for a producer gig. And he said, no way. I'm going to put you on the air. And I said, okay. And then he came back like a week, two weeks later. Uh, February 13th, 2008. Hey, Greg, can you do a couple hours on Wednesday, February 20th? You'd be on from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Robert Cross. And uh, I responded. I did the show. I went in. The two hours was harder than I thought it would be because it was straight up talk and the board op refused to come on the air with me. Mm. And I prepared material, but I ran out an hour in and then I don't know what I did to fill the, the second hour. And I went home that night and I laid in bed and I was like, you moved to New York and this is your chance and you blew it. You piece of shit. You suck. <laughs> and then I get an email uh, back from him. Where's the date on this? February 25th. He writes back in response to my shift. I refused to open the email. I didn't I didn't open that email. Because of how you felt during the shift, because you feel like you you weren't performing at your best. Yeah, I didn't like it. And I didn't want to read his email that said something, yeah, that wasn't so great. You know, forget <laughs> this whole experiment. Get the hell out of here. I'm sorry that I ever reached out to you. Which you're not gonna get that from a person. Even if they're gonna let you down, they're gonna let you down. <laughs> Hopefully, right. you know, a little more gently than that. So February 25th, I get the response. Uh, I don't write him back until April 23rd, 2008. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, I've been sick, which I did get sick with the flu that March. But that's March, mid-March, yeah, yeah. oh, month already. And I said, oh, and I was moving, which I was moving. But I threw all the excuses and somewhere in the mix, I missed your email. And then he did write back and he said, oh, yeah, sorry for not being more aggressive about hunting you down. I heard you on the air at that new rock station a while back and soon assumed you'd taken a gig, oh. which I had gotten on the air at RXP in a part time role. And I could have also done Sirius or maybe something at Sirius would have materialized full time before the RXP thing if I didn't avoid it. But this just right. sets it up. Avoidance is in my DNA. I don't I avoid because I don't want my life to be disruptive and I are disrupted and I don't want myself to feel worse than I already do, which is all self-imposed. I, I look in the mirror and I say, you suck. And then I look for indicators in the real world <laughs> to confirm that feeling. Uh, right. And then I avoid those indicators because I'm like, all right, that could be an indicator. I'm avoiding that though, because I already know that I suck and I don't need that to be reinforced. 
So I'm avoiding it at all costs. And this is uh, the world that I've created for myself. So do you feel, but you're not someone without friends. You, you make plans with people, you follow through. There's different types of avoidant personalities, right? Yeah. I, and I feel I, like you're a specific kind. Yeah, I know that you've been looking up the different types of avoidance. I mean, if you want to really get into my avoidance with friends, I'm always a good friend because the stakes aren't as high as like a romantic relationship or some other sort of intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. Friendships can surely be intimate. um, And I'm good when I'm called on to help other people. So I can reach out. It doesn't feel like it's imposing on my life because you're there for the person for whatever time you need to be there. And I actually take joy in it. But then you go away. In a romantic relationship, it's like, oh, I'm always around. This person is going to need more from me. I don't know if I can give all that. So I'm going to retreat uh, a, a little bit in this yeah. relationship. Really, it just comes down to me doubting myself. And in relationships like that, and, and avoiding the unknown, if that makes sense. In a romantic sure. relationship, it's like, can I give what needs to be given to this person to make this a, a relationship that is the way I'd like it to be and they would like it to be? I don't know. I don't know if I have the way that takes. So instead, I'll just blow it up. That way, when it fails, it's on me. That was my own doing. It, it didn't right. fail. Right, you because, got control over it. Yeah. Avoidance, my avoidance, I've set up a life that is fine. I use the word fine quite often. Now it's fine. Things are fine. I live yeah. in existence of fine because fine is something that I understand. I know it's coming my way. I don't have to react. I don't have to deal with disappointment or rejection or fail. Look, I've grown out of some of this, but uh, you know, I, I still see it persisting <clears throat> right. at, at times, like with the antibodies test results, which is why... <laughs> I wanted to bring this up because you think you move past things. Right. You're like, oh, well, there's that old thing again. It's not happening on a large scale right now. It's on a small individual thing, but uh, it's still there. So I'm curious about it, and I'd like to explore it a bit more. Living a life that f- that's fine, you may as well be dead. You're not getting anything out of it. Well, you're avoiding highs. You're avoiding the lows, but you're avoiding the highs. Well, you're avoiding, yes, the lows, you're not getting highs, as you just said. You think that you're living a steady state. Maybe it's not yeah. high, but it's okay. But then you realize it's all low. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, it's just a low-level low. Right. A low-grade low, I should say. It's like it's not the lowest of the lows, but it's you know, whatever the line is for fulfillment, you're living below it. So um, I looked up avoidant uh character displayed characteristics as a child and it made me think of you oh me Nicole. yeah before we can get into this i okay. you know me well enough and i trust you to assign these things to me but i would also like to establish at the forefront of this show and you're also very avoidant yourself oh you're, yeah we'll get there you're just a much more engaged active avoidant like you can yeah. fool people I'm like i'm not avoiding anything look i'm even talking about it's not a retreating avoidance no. That's what I'm trying to say. So anyway, okay. well, there's yeah, there's different types of avoidant, but this is avoidant t- uh, attachment style. As a child, is may avoid parents, which I thought ding 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 for you. <laughs> which I was probably a dream child. 
Yeah, probably. Mom, 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 dad, 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 mom, mom, mom. Yeah. Now you didn't get that. It's like, what is he doing? I don't know. He's just playing his thing. His computer. Does not seek much comfort or contact from parents. And no. shows little preference or no preference between parent and stranger. So I don't know if that one is. No. I, yeah. I avoided strangers at all costs. Okay. Um, I was scared of strangers. If I was out, then the street lights came on and it started getting dark and I had to get home. Oh, really? And I was like, someone's going to come out so of the So there's woods. some secure attachment in there as well, right? So it's a mix. It's not completely avoidant. There are some secure attachments, which would be prefers parents to strangers. Return of parents is met with positive emotions. Seek comfort from parents when frightened, able to separate from parent. So, I mean, life isn't black and white. Childhood, adulthood, coping mechanisms aren't black and white. They're shades of gray. So I do think, though, may avoid parents and does not seek much comfort or contact from parents. Sounds like stories that you've talked about where your parents didn't know anything about you. Yeah, I, I set it up that way, and they didn't press too hard. But there was a strange right. thing when I was maybe because they were avoiding too. Well, I had real insecurity and anxiety as a kid. Separation anxiety. When my parents would go out on a date and leave us with a babysitter, I was convinced they were going to die. Me too. I called the grocery store and asked for them to be paged because they were out grocery shopping. <laughs> and then you find out they're not there, and it scares you. They just told you yes. they were grocery shopping, but they were in a park somewhere making out. I don't know, but they came back. It was not a big deal. I had my neighbor come over and take care. I was so afraid. Yeah, the fact that you had to call the place where they said they were going. What yeah. a different world. Yeah. Call the restaurant. I mean, when my mom was in the hospital after giving birth to my youngest sister, I apparently called. I don't remember this, but she told me I called the room nonstop. Oh, really? Yes. So I don't know. I mean, there was obviously some anxiety and at some point to get around that. And I was like, well, well, you know, I can't do anything about my parents having their own life and going off. So I'll just pull away from them. Mm. And that'll offset that anxiety because if I'm the one creating the distance, then maybe there's a little more control there. And right. Anyway, I don't Who knows? Well, as an adult, these this avoidant um, may have problems with intimacy, invest little emotion in social and romantic relationships, unable or unwilling to share thoughts and feelings with others. So that's where I think it veers away from you, because I don't feel like you have trouble expressing your emotions in social or romantic relationships. But I guess there's a part of you that is concerned about the other person's reaction to you. And so then that stops you from expressing yourself. And that's where you are not secure. At some point in a, in a romantic relationship, the stakes become higher at first. I'm like, yeah, I'll just, who cares? I'm going to be myself. I'm throwing all this out there. You can take it or leave it. If you leave it, it's no skin off my back. Then when you're in it long enough and you become a little attached to the person, I guess there's an unknown element because in a real relationship, uh, you can't control the other person. Hmm. Really, the way relationships work is you give what you give, and hopefully you're giving your best. The other person gets to say, okay, that works for me, or no, that doesn't work. And sure, it doesn't need to be it's black and white. You can work within it if it's not working, but ultimately, it's the other person's decision if they want to stay in the relationship or not. And you have that same decision, you know, just reversed, then they put themselves out there and you're like, all right, yeah, I want to stay in this. It's hard though when you talk about something like that because it's not so it's not so transactional. You well, know, where you're like, eh, 
these are the things about me and you can accept is, them or not. It, ultimately, you know? ultimately, it is very transactional. We can dress it up as much as we want with, you know, romance But there are and feelings involved. It's not and, just, yeah, it's but, not, it's, it's but not even just feelings, like this thing. Even feelings are transactional. Even if you're doing something for someone else and you're being selfless it, because you care about them, it does, it's still ultimately something you're getting out of it. No, no, no. But you feel a certain way about the person. And especially as a relationship continues, you feel a certain way about them. And then if there's, if, if there's something that, you know, the serotonin starts to drip out of your brain and you start to like not enjoy the smell of their breath in the morning. Like you thought before it was so cute. It's good stinky breath. It's so cute. You know what I mean? And, weird little things start to happen and it's then you're you're attached to the person and if i don't mean to talk about something as trivial as breath but something behaviorally that you don't like or whatever there are a lot of other things you do like about them but then there's other thing and then you like them so you can't it's not at that point it is not just here are some things about the person that i like here are some things i don't like I must make a decision. It's like there's a lot of emotion that goes. Usually, when you get to the point where the small things that used to find cute are no longer cute, maybe they settle down and they're not cute, but it's the point where they start to annoy you. Things have gone so wrong and it's just manifesting in that way. Like, I hate the way they breathe. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. you don't really, you just hate a lot of other things and it's, you're looking and focusing on that right now. So it is still transactional. It's like, I'm not getting the stuff I need out of this. But for the sake of our topic today, there's a point in relationships. It's not so much, I guess, I'm scared of a person leaving and being hurt, but nobody wants that. Uh, right. I've, I've tended to handle these things well in my life for the most part. Obviously, some are harder than others, like a breakup. Um, but I guess even a lot of my breakups have been controlled breakups. I pull away. I avoid uh, for whatever reason. And it's not – what I'm saying here is it's not – I, th- I was thinking maybe it was out of fear that I don't have control in the relationship. The other person could say I'm out of here. And I wanted to avoid that because, you know, nobody wants to be hurt. But I don't really think it's that. It's I, I don't think for the longest time I was comfortable being intimate with myself. And at some point I was like, I'm being intimate with this person. Then you progress and maybe part of it is, oh, this person. Sorry, there's a fire truck outside. Maybe this person <laughs> is going to decide they don't want to be with me. But the truth is if I just keep being the person I've been from the start, which wasn't an act, which is actually who I am. This person is into me. So why should I have to worry about that? But I think there's what I'm realizing as I speak and verbally vomit through this topic is, uh, it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's me. It's like, mm, I don't know. Look at me. I'm being wide open and this is uh, vulnerable and I don't like that. So then I start to shut down. Right. I don't, why I don't, is that? Why, why can't you be, Oh, because you're avoidant of your own feelings. I'm avoiding my, look, we can analyze this as much as we want. I don't know if we're going to get anywhere. I don't know. If it's, we're not, gonna... it's not that we have to get somewhere. It's just looking at them. Yeah. I, you know, we could get stuck in this and try to figure out, is it that I'm scared a person's going to leave? Is it just, I just don't like my actual self. Am I uncomfortable I don't mean with to do myself? that. I'm not saying that you don't. Okay. Maybe I don't. Maybe this is the thing kicking in now as we talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I when I first start dating people, um, and it, this actually is outside of dating too, but text messages, for example. 
If I write the person a message and ask them to do something, I won't look at my phone for a long time. And then if I see that the text had come, has come through, the red bubble on the iPhone, it's like, oh, there's a text there, I still won't check it. I think, what, what if they say they don't want to do something? Or they, they, this is ridiculous behavior. Huh. And, and I do it when I ask uh, people for things. Like if I, meaning if I text someone and uh, ask them if I could borrow something. Like my friends, right. I texted my friend and asked him if I could borrow his car. I'm like, oh, what if he says no, I can't borrow the car. So there's this element of rejection, which is, I don't know. I know that it's fine and I can handle it. Yeah. It's just an unknown and it's a thing that's out of my control. So instead, it's like, all right, I put myself out there and now the answer has come in. The verdict has been rendered. And I'll just avoid right. that verdict. <laughs> like I can imagine being in court and like the jury comes back and like, I'm leaving. I don't want to hear what they have to say. Yeah. Just I'll know. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll either be walking out of here or I won't be. I don't need to sit here and wait for you to read your long thing. Yeah. And the guy just, it, I, I don't want to hear it. Okay. That's, Interesting. That's, <laughs> yeah. We either just shut up. I, it's fine. Yeah. We find the defendant. Shut up. I don't. Ah, la, 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 la. Plug your ears. La, 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 la. <laughs> so this is a, yeah. I, I have a tendency to obsess also, which I think is one thing I avoid through avoidance. I'm trying to avoid the obsession, mm-hmm. the obsessive thoughts. I think that's really what comes down to when, like, if I'm talking about texting someone new that I first started them just dating and like overanalyzing everything. Did they respond? How long did it take them to respond? Does this blah, 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 blah. It's like, I don't want to deal with any of that, but my brain goes there. So. Right. The only way around that is to avoid, or at least. And it's new and you can't tell them some of the insecurities that you might be feeling. Oh, I tell tell, them, I throw all the insecurities out there in a joking manner. And people, he's so open and look, it's funny. He's so self-aware, and he uses it as a self-deprecation. <laughs> Surprise. But you don't tell them, no, you don't throw it all out there. You're not telling them the real thing. You're telling them the things that you're comfortable telling them, but you're not telling them the real things that you're uncomfortable telling them. Like, I'm, af- I, I'm looking, I can't look at your texts because I'm afraid you're going to say something that, whatever. you know what I mean? You're not telling them that. Sometimes you do, but you phrase it in a humorous manner, or just as directly, but it's delivered you know, as a joke, hmm. you could say it that direct, but the way you deliver, like, whoa, that person just said that, but with the tone, that's, ah, that's funny. But that's avoidance in its own right. That's avoidance in plain sight. It's hiding in plain sight. Hmm. It's like, hey, look. And then you just back out, right? You just slowly back out of a room in a relationship so that it pushes them to do the work so that you don't have to be the one that rejects the relationship. Yeah. Not always, right? Not not until recently, but before. Yeah. I mean, I would control. Once I knew a relationship was over, they would still tend to. And look, the other person could have broken up at any point. Uh, so I'm dating Right, people. but you gave them. I feel There are stories that you've told where you have also wanted to break up. And then they start to break up with you. And you're like, no, don't do it. No, uh, it'll be fine. We'll do this. We'll figure it out. Yeah, that, and there's those are regrets still to this day. Sometimes I look right. back on relationships where the other person breaks up with me. And at first, well, one instance, I'm like, okay. And then a few weeks goes by, and then we you know, get back together. 
and uh, there's a discussion. And I know that I shouldn't get back into it, but I still do. Why? I don't know. And then, yes, there's other instances where in the moment it's like, no, 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 even though it's what I want. It's like, what are you doing? Come on. Yeah. You're being given an out here. But I like to control it, I guess. I don't like the jarring nature of a breakup. Like, we're done. Yeah. So I tend to get back in so then I can control the breakup so that it's a slow, sad decline. And it gets to the point, though, where, you know, I've told this before, where I dated someone uh, and we had an official last date. We went out and we said, this is going to be our last date. We are broken up. And we went to the same place we went on our first date. Right. Which sounds like a difficult thing, but I was able to manipulate the relationship to the point where we were both okay with that. Like she was so fed up and sick of me, but didn't hate me. Yeah. Like it's, it's, but you control, it's like, all right, they don't hate me, but they do want out of this thing and they're not going to be sad and that's not going to make, so therefore I don't have to feel bad because they're sad. Yeah. So, I know that you tell this story as something that's a bad thing, but that sounds like the dream. It is a dream in on paper, but it's not a dream in real life because you have to get in the relate. Your relationship has to get to a point where there isn't even sadness doing something like that. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where both people are like, okay, we can handle this. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not really a dream. But it keeps you from that shock of a breakup and everything is just gone. And I think in my life, what I tend to avoid is that shock. Something that is so disruptive, the unknown, thrown into a state that isn't, you know, comfortable. Uh, that's where the avoidance lives. Okay. And I think everything we've talked about, that's probably what I'm really trying to avoid is it's not abandonment. It's not uh, rejection. It's just the shock. I don't want the shock. I can be rejected if it was a slow <laughs> rejection over the course <laughs> of six weeks or something. Yeah, you don't want it. Well, that's really just an avoidance of feeling <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. and that's, Right? Because, because you need it to be slow so that it's like boiling a frog, right? You just slowly increase the temperature until it's boiled alive. Until you're dead. Until you're dead. You don't feel it, right? So you're avoiding the feeling. And living a fine life, you may as well be dead. So maybe the temperature's already high enough. I've boiled yeah. myself. I mean, not to death yet, but it's happening. Um, but yeah, that's not, that's yeah. the focus uh, of just, you know. It's interesting that you're talking about things being fine. Because, I mean, I'm not the person that says, like, it's fine, you know, but. No, you I, say things are good. When yeah, I'm like, great. That's that when I said earlier, your avoidance, when you're hiding in plain sight, avoiding in plain sight. Oh, yeah. There's all these problems in front of your face. How are things like, oh, they're great. They're wonderful. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, sure. And you say it with such confidence and conviction. It's because I believe it. So you're. It's, it's, it's not fake. I'm not fake. You know, I mean, up until recently when I feel like I woke up, you know, before that, you know, I, when I said things. Uh, when I reacted to things or when I were, when I was asked about something, I truly believed it, you know? Um, well, I was going to say about fine. Uh, like I said, I'm not somebody that says like, it's fine, you know, but uh, in therapy, I did talk about how like, this is fine. Things are fine. Like, why would I disrupt anything with, you know, my, my needs, <laughs> you know, things are fine. Um, and my therapist said, you know, 
is that is that how you want to live? You know, is that how if someone dies and you go up and speak about them, and you're like, their life was fine. You know, she had a fine life. It was fine. Like, no, you don't want that. On the tombstone. And I know that there are, there's like a school of, I'm sorry, what are you going to say? I said on the tombstone, it just says, it was fine. Life was, was fine. fine. <laughs> Look, fine. Hold, I don't want to throw you off, so hold your mm-hmm. thought. I'm just saying fine is, you know what you get with fine. Yes. I'm saying, I know what fine is. No surprises with the fine. Right. Um, I was going to say, uh, there's, you know, a mindset, especially with the older generation and not, you know, not necessarily baby boomers, but even X, you know, where it's like, why would you disrupt things? Everything is fine. You know, there are people who are starving in Africa. You think they don't want your life or there's a woman down the street who's being abused by her husband and, you know, that's not happening to you. So why would you whatever people in the past? And so I, I started, I would think about that, too. Like, why would I, you know, disrupt anything when things are fine? And my therapist talked to me about, you know, there's there there were things in the past that people had to worry about. And those things were more important than their happiness, you know, or, or their fulfillment in life, um, how they felt about their own lives. They were escaping, you know, concentration camps or they were avoiding war or whatever. And then those generations had the next and then the next, and that trickers trickles down into me feeling guilty about wanting to disrupt things in my life just because it would fulfill my my needs and like who cares about my needs and that's sort of the road you go down is like who cares about your needs don't mess things up don't don't stir the don't create dust in the air just because oh you need something well when you do that you know you start to die (laughs) i think one of the uh, something that's a shame as you're talking about you know, people who are avoiding wars or fought in wars or mm-hmm. escaped a concentration camp. I mean, World War Two, any war that you anyone who's fought in a war and gets out of a war probably feels like this outside of, you know, survivor's guilt watching a bunch right, of other right, people right. die yeah. is it reframes things. So you think, all right, I survived that. I should be happy with what I have. And right. this there's a balance here. No one's saying that you shouldn't be able to find uh, fulfillment. Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. No one's saying that you should constantly be unfulfilled or unsatisfied and striving. You should be able to sit back and look at things for what they are and understand the things that you value and find them in your life. Like some people just can never be satisfied. And right, are yeah. constantly whiny and complaining. And that's a bad extreme. But the other extreme is like, okay, yeah, you survived a horrific event. And now, and I, it seemed like this happened, especially with people who got married. Like, I don't know, well, we got through that war and we got married and we don't really like each other, but we just stayed together. Yeah, it's not about whether they like each other anymore. Because, you know? because they kept looking back on this thing that they survived, which, yes, it reframes things and it was a much bigger thing than seemingly you're not completely satisfied with your life. No one's going to always be satisfied with their life. But I think a complete dismissal in that instance, because you went through a big, that's a shame. That's a shame. 
that someone wasn't able. So when people do throw it out there that people have it worse, yes, that's real. And you should always keep that in mind and keep things framed and try to find joy and fulfillment in more meaningful things, which tend to be, you know, relationships or just smaller things in life and noticing things. It doesn't have to be material possessions or anything like that. And I don't find fulfillment in that anyway. So when I talk about this, I'm not looking for uh, any of that. Um, But yeah, I, I don't think that you should be dismissive completely of things that you want in life just because you have it all right. Well, like I said, you start to think, you know, well, why should I disrupt a bunch of things just because I want something? But your your avoidance in this whole thing is interesting. So I looked up dismissive, avoidant, attached. <laughs> yes, that sounds like and you. It sounds like this is going to be you. Yes, it is very much me. Can appear very well put together and have an inflated sense of self. Uh, had to learn to rely on themselves. This is badly written. Had to learn to rely on themselves for their own soothing and comfort. I don't know. I mean, as a kid, I mean, I'm an only child. <clears throat> so maybe that just comes with the territory just a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I felt soothed by my parents. But anyway, has difficulty being vulnerable and intimate. Um, I would say, okay, let me keep going. Tends to dismiss needs in a relationship. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, can get in touch with with emotions easier when there is a shared experience. And I just said the other day that... I don't like to experience things on my own. Like a sunset by myself is nowhere near the experience it, as if, if someone else were there with me. I'm just laughing. Because I may as well not even experience it if there's no one there to share it with. I, I'm just laughing because I'm the complete opposite. I can experience and enjoy things more so on my own because I feel like the other person will just ruin it. <laughs> so that's another yeah. thing. That's an avoidance of intimacy in its own right like we were talking about before the show and like music that i like it's like i'm not sharing that with you because i don't trust you like you right. generalized not you but generalized like yeah you're just gonna ruin this for me so i i learned to really enjoy things on my own you learn to not find enjoyment in things unless it's being shared with someone else yeah so when i so if i share a piece of music and the person doesn't like it and therefore like quote for you it would ruin it for you i'm just very disappointed that they don't like it and i feel like it hurts my feelings that they didn't like it the other thing was tends to focus on others flaws as a way to maintain emotional distance um and i don't know if that's i mean some of these things aren't exactly me but um as far as emotions and how to deal with things, how relationships work, how people work. I am very interested and tuned into that, but not, it turns out, not at all when it comes to myself, you know, or my relationships. For me, it's like, nope, nothing's wrong. Nothing. I'm fine. Everything I need, everything I want. Nah, there's some things, but it's cool. Like, what, what, what? like always acting and I guess convincing myself that it's just not important. You know, my my needs, the biggest thing that I avoided were my needs. 
my needs and I still work on, you know, obviously, but I don't feel like my needs are important. And so you had this interesting avoiding mechanism by just yeah. lying to yourself. It's a very well, really, active. It's not lying to myself. I don't put the weight on those needs. There's, I just don't do it. And so they're not. So they're, I'm not avoiding it. It's like it's not important. It's a passive lying to yourself. Yeah. Maybe it's I, – look, I'll believe you. I'm not going to assign what you are thinking or feeling. But there is a level of blindness, I guess, going on if it's not active lying. If, if you're able to dismiss yourself and still think things are good. Like I, I guess there's no point. In your brain, you're like, hey, this isn't working. Yeah, but And then you uh, shove that thought away somehow. Well, I've, 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 uh, you know, I've uh, helped create a world around me um, full of other avoidant people, you know? So we just go on the same ride together of like, everything's fine. So I'm, everything's fine. They don't think about my needs. I don't think about about my needs, you know. Uh, and so that's just fine. Everything's fine. Everything's great. No problems. This is what a lot of people tend to do: is you surround yourself with people who reinforce the way you already behave. Right. So I you think know, you you've know. talked about in relationships where you tend to gravitate toward anxious people. Yeah, because my behavior avoiding at times is unacceptable. I mean, it's always unacceptable. If you're going to be in a relationship with someone uh, that you want to last, you need to give yourself and put yourself out there. And to not do that at all at times, you know, you know, you're talking about needs. I would always just say, I'm fine. I would think mm -hmm. about it, I think. I was more aware of what I was doing than you, but also it was more of a passive dismissal and avoidance or just living in a negative space, meaning I didn't have to do anything for my avoidance. You actively said everything's great. There's like right. something happening there, a mechanism of action. Mine's like, eh, I'm just, if I don't do anything by default, I am avoiding sitting on a couch, not thinking, not moving. I'm not saying I did this, but I'm just using this as an example. It's a very passive behavior and you get what you want out of it. It's a complete. You avoid a solution. You avoid any solution. Yeah. So these people, you know, I, the reason that these relationships could get to the point where we just slowly got to an end where both people are like, all right, good. We don't hate each other, but we don't want to do this anymore is because I guess dating people who would put up with it. Any person in their right mind who is secure in some way. And this isn't, I hope this isn't meant to be an insult to anyone I've ever dated. It's just, you know, people cope with their shit in their own ways. Um, but they would, I, there was leeway. I could get away with that for a lot longer than anyone who is more secure in their own existence. Like, hey, what is this bullshit behavior? No, I'm not putting up with it. You stop would it Would they now. start a fight with you? No. I don't, I don't know. People would call me out sometimes and try to express themselves and moments of probably really they had to build up to and understand what was going on, especially a person who's anxious, who's worried you're going to push the other person away to express something 
to the other person is a brave thing. And then I would just, no way, you're, that's not real. That's right. not happening. So they would, they would communicate with you. Sometimes. But the point okay. is, I, you know, dating people, being, surrounding yourself with people who allow you to uh, carry on with the same behavior is a quite common thing. Yeah. It works great. You enable each other. <laughs> it, it works fine. <laughs> it's, no, it's perfect. <laughs> I don't think it's great. You're not getting anything out of it. No one's getting anything out of it. They're not getting the things that they want out of it. I know, but, you know, when you come from that dysfunction, and I don't mean it in the same category as, like, true dysfunction as far as, like, your par parental relationships. I know that that could be extreme. But when you come from a type of dysfunction and you find that in your adult relationships, even if it's not, if it ultimately doesn't work for you, it still feels right because it's what you know. It's familiar. It's familiar. This feels right. Feels great. There's Perfect. A, there's a level of comfort and understanding with it, which is why I was saying before, it's the unknown. It's right. A, I've, I've brought up writing before. It's something that I want to do is write, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, just for myself. And the kind of writing I wanted to do is not uh, just straight up storytelling. I want to tap into like, the human condition or whatever. Um, and I think with that kind of writing, you're going to, have to be honest with yourself and stop avoiding your true feelings and yeah. things that you think and put that down. And I think that's one of the things that uh, has kept me from doing it. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm avoiding that. There's a big unknown in that because I think that I am a good writer. If you're just talking about writing as a practice, I have a mm -hmm. good grasp on it. And the you have a voice. Yeah. But it's not taking that next step into really being open. And I guess there's this idea. It's like, I, it's like if I stink at that, then maybe it's not something that uh, I was ever really good at. And I fell onto this belief that I'm good at it. But, you know, that's bullshit. It's all right because you can be a technically good writer and not completely open. I think it's more of like... I don't know where that's going to lead. That's an unknown. I don't know what I'm going to see about myself or or mm. or find. And uh, eh, it's better just not to do that. It's so weird how you seem so open in so many ways and then so sealed shut in so many others. The greatest magicians have something to <laughs> learn. <laughs> <laughs> this is my greatest trick, Autumn. Wow. My greatest you trick. You do that thing with your hand. You know, like magicians always have like some flair with their hands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's not, I, like, I don't want to get into like psychoanalyzing and all. I don't know if that's a creation to keep people at a distance and fooling them into thinking they're close. I tend to think it's more so. No, I really want to be open with people and right. put that out there. And then I can only go so far. Uh, I hope it's not straight up manipulation. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to give you something that you think you're getting something from me and you're getting nothing at all. It's like that one step forward, two steps back thing. Like, no, I don't think you're consciously doing that. No, but I mean, that's, no matter the reasoning, that's the way it played out at times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the avoidance, the avoidance with writing, it's all just 
the unknown. I'm not, I like, I want to write. I want, like, there's a drive and a desire and I feel bad. I felt bad my whole life that I haven't really ever done it. Uh, so there's that part of it, but it just doesn't outweigh the other part. The unknown is like, well, if I do it, where does that lead? Where does that open up? And, you know, the avoidance is just avoiding the unknown and at the cost of avoiding all good things, possible good things, potential. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's, that's no way to go about things. That's the fine in things. Right. It's fine. Yeah. My life is fine. My life is good. It's better than fine. I have a good life. Um, you know, and that's something that you're talking about earlier that you put when you reframe things like, oh, shut up. You want more? Your life's already really good. Right. Stop it. It's like, well, no. If you're actively avoiding things that you like have strong desire for, then how good is it really? Yeah. Again, things get reframed. If you're well, the, and talking you're about the, the way war, then it's like, making, right, who cares? making a list of how your life isn't bad is not a way to then point out how good your life is. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't equal just because all these bad things aren't happening doesn't mean that you're satisfied in your life. Exactly. Yeah. But it's a, you know, you talk about this stuff and some people, oh, sh- shut up. Stop yeah. whining. I'm, like, I'm not whining. There's no whining happening. Well, first of all, this is a, sh- a pod. I mean, we're talking. About <laughs> it, so we're not complaining. We are just doing a honest dive into some behavior that both you and I notice. Well, quite often, yeah. we talk about these things and I really don't sit here feeling sorry for myself. That, no, it's not something I don't, Oh, the world. That doesn't have, I do dislike a lot of the world. That's not, I feel like, Oh, it's not fair. I'm not looking at it that way. Like it's against me. It's like, I just look at it. It's like, I, I hate most people's behavior. I don't like the way people carry themselves. I don't like the way they think about themselves. I don't like the way they present themselves. I don't like what they pretend to be. I don't like the way they act. I don't like, they don't think about other people. I'm like, okay, there's, that's where a lot of that comes from. But, you know, now I'm getting all wrapped up in this idea. We present these ideas that to me, it's something that I've been working within and trying to understand and unlock. And then suddenly it's going back to the same thing with like the music. It's like some other person's going to step and it's like, shut up. And then it'll just yeah. ruin all my progress. And uh, <laughs> so it's like, I'm not going to share any of it, even though we just spent an hour talking about it. You know, quickly, um, part of my thing, too about avoidance is you know when you were talking about how you're having difficulty writing because you're avoiding some intimacy with yourself uh i started to think of like can't you just do this you know like i wanted to solve it for you because i feel uncomfortable when others feel uncomfortable and i take on a little bit of their burden i like take the take it off of their shoulders a little bit not not to not in some way like I can fix it. I'm the best. More like you can't handle it. Let me help you handle it. If you're hanging around avoidant people, yes, they're not gonna put forth the effort probably to fix the things that you see that they want to fix. Like, I'll help you with that. And then that's the brilliance of your avoidance. You hide behind other people's avoidance. Oh yeah. <laughs> what a what a layer. Well, not even other people's scheme. avoidance, but oh, you mean because they give it to me? Well, I'm just like, you're used to people being avoidant, you're, but you're avoiding yourself. Like a lot of times anxious people and avoidant people hook up. 
they're like, oh, yeah, because they can feed off of each other's. Um, they drive the feelings that the person's used to. So an anxious person's used to feeling anxious. They date an avoidant person. They get involved with avoidant people. And therefore, uh, their anxiety is even higher because they're not getting the things. And that's what they're used to. And an avoidant person's being pushed by an anxious person and gets to avoid more and put the blame on them. Uh, you, well, you, like you, you, I'm saying, hide. you, avoidant who likes avoidant people because you have this system of oh, that person's uh, avoiding. And I'm going to look anyone looks at me. I'm active. I'm active. I'm helping them. Uh, yeah. They're the avoidant one. I'm not the avoidant one, but you're just hiding in their avoidance and yeah. hiding at, behind uh, the work you're doing for them. Yeah. What oh a, yeah. Hello. Yep. Ding, ding. What That's a, me. yeah. What a, what a racket you've been running. <laughs> It's more brilliant than any of the other ways. Well, I am very brilliant. And the way you set that up. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think, you know, my last thought on this whole thing is, and I've already said it just to reinforce it, is, you know, by avoiding the unknown, you're also avoiding the good. And you're really just avoiding life. But for some people, the bad is so bad. That the good, it's not worth it to experience the, the bad. The bad can be really bad, but the things that we're talking about, I've experienced all the bad that comes with it. And I know I can handle it just fine. And I know no, uh, what I mean is, though, there are some people who cannot handle the bad. I just don't. Yes, there are some people who can't handle the bad. And then I think more so on, on my part is like, I just don't like when things aren't completely stable or knowable, knowable, pre- predictable. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, where that comes. Because I know if bad things pop up, I've handled them and they've been fine. They're never as bad as you think they are. And, you know, there's always that Or they are as bad as you think they are. And then they're over. You know, they end. Yes. The bad thing ends. And to, uh, you know, avoid bad things, just avoid the unknown for the sake of stability and things being fine. It's really, it's really no way to go. No. So it's not, you know, next time I, <laughs> I get an email from a person for a job prospect. I'll, uh, that, that's happened several for a other test th- result. Yeah. This happened. It's happened several other times with jobs. Like, I'm not going to read that right now. Sometimes you just have to take the, I'll still wait a day. If I get a response still, I won't do it right away. I'm like, all right, yeah. build up. Then that's, that, that you, is that the same thing you do with food, or is that a totally different thing? You just don't like hot food. No, I just don't like hot food because okay. it's not enjoyable because it burns your mouth. So how are you supposed to taste it? Because when you have hot food in your mouth, you're just doing the best you can to chew it quickly and swallow it, so it's not burning your mouth. All right, I'm just making I'm just I'm just making a distinction because Greg likes to have food and then sit with it for a while and just like. Well, I just have marinate it, and then when I get, then, then when I get hungry, I eat it. Sometimes I yeah. eat right away. I just tend to get the food. Since I eat late, I don't want to go get food late, so I get the food and I have it near me. That's a different thing. Okay, just making sure. I try to tie my eating habits. I eat Wah. fine. <laughs> no, no, no one said you're not eating fine. I'm just asking a question. I mean, it's weird. There's fine again. Okay. Yeah, fine. Thank you for listening to One Topic. If you're avoidant, tell us all about it. You can email us at onetopic01 at gmail.com. Uh, you can tell us on our Podbean thing, on Facebook, all of the places, one topic. Uh, like and subscribe, write and review on iTunes. Please support our uh, sponsor, 
hoffandpepper.com. They're amazing. They have locally sourced uh, artisanal. Are they artisanal? What is artisanal? No one knows. It doesn't matter. It's awesome, though. Please go to hoffandpepper.com. Use our code one topic 15 for 15% off. And that's all. Hey, Greg. Hey, Autumn. Do you like hot sauce? You know, I do like hot sauce, but I'm getting pretty bored of my regular Texas Peter Tabasco. I'm looking for a local sauce without Mm. any additives or extracts, a company that uses local peppers so it's as fresh as possible, and a company that really cares about the integrity of the sauce and where their ingredients come from. Definitely. And hey, while we're at it, I don't want a sauce with too many ingredients. Mm -mm. You know, a lot of other sauces out there, they have all kinds of fillers, so I'd love to find a sauce with, I don't know, what, let's say no more than five ingredients. I mean, it's crazy, but there's got to be a company out there that hand processes their sauce. You know, bottling and labeling every bottle themselves. I'm probably asking a lot. Well, you really are, but there is a hot sauce out there who only uses five ingredients, zero fillers, additives or extracts, and who bottles, labels, and packages everything themselves. It's called Hop Sauce. What? They're a small batch hot sauce company out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, that's won best Louisiana style sauce in the country. How many times? Not once, not twice, three times. Three times! How does that sound, Greg? I think that sounds amazing. You know how you can get your own bottle of no, hot sauce? No, no, tell me please now. Hoffandpepper.com. And not only am I giving you the gift of the best hot sauce that you'll ever taste, I'm going to give you 15% off if you use the code 1TOPIC15. Hold on, that's... Yes, get a pen and paper. 1TOPIC15. Good. That's O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-1-5. All squished together at checkout. You'll get 15% off your order and your life will be better. Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome.